broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome in, hockey fans, professional hockey fans as it may be. This indeed is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you today from beautiful Denver, Colorado. My co-host as always, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from beautiful Southern California. Rob, how are you tonight? I am well, and it was a rainy, overcast, uh, ugly-looking day today. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I had a coach baseball in it. <laughs> but but the Rams are winning, so that ought to make you a little happy, right? I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> I'm, like, too much. I'm more of a hockey fan than I am a Rams fan, so I'm to talk hockey. Oh, it's ugly. It's ugly. Uh, I got out of Arizona just in the nick of time, apparently. <laughs> well, the good thing is the Coyotes are slowly getting approaching where the uh, Cardinals are in terms of wins. So it might, it might, they might actually catch them by the uh, beginning of February. <laughs> Maybe. As a matter of fact, I actually got to see a Cardinals game in person um, the other uh, the other day. I was out uh, watch the uh, Cardinals, uh, Cardinals watch the uh, Coyotes and. Uh, the avalanche in the back-to-back at Gila River. Uh, <laughs> goodness, Saturday night. Uh, I can't imagine how these guys are doing it. They're putting up with COVID. They're putting up with this crazy schedule. They're, um, uh, they are they played a back-to-back, so they were in Colorado, then flew back, and that game went to a shootout, then got back to Arizona. Less than 24 hours later, played another game, and uh, once uh, – once the experience kicked in for the Avalanche, it was all she wrote in a five nothing win. But then they rebounded today and get get a win over the other bad team in the uh, NHL, which is the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Well, they sent them to their sixth straight loss, and uh, you know that's a struggling team right now is the Canadians. So, uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens with the Coyotes. We'll see uh, they could break the double digit mark in the next few games, and uh, you know, just the Pacific is is heating up. Uh, the Pacific, the NHL is heating up just as, just in time to go on the break. <laughs> what break? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're talking about the all-star break. Uh, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting. And a uh, couple things I wanted to discuss tonight in the show is that I thought maybe we should recap, uh, just what's going on with the all-star game, which right now air quotes is still in play will still happen the first weekend of February. I don't know if it's even possible to cancel at this point, but um, the the captains have been announced. The teams have been pretty much picked except for the uh, the last man in, right. and uh, the, the coaches are there. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's all go for Vegas, right? It seems that way. And, uh, you know, you got, you got your teams picked. You got the last man in. That will, uh, the voting ends tonight for that. Uh, so we'll see. A lot of a lot of people making their first All Star appearance, and uh, speed and youth will be served during these Olympics. I mean, uh, during these All Star festivities. Yeah, will it ever? Um, you know, and there's been a lot of discussion uh, around the fact that uh, every team gets a entry, if you will, a player, if you will, and uh, a lot of top players have not gotten into the. Uh, or will not get into this all-star game based on format. Your thoughts on that? Well, you know, every year you have snubs, you know, with uh, voting, uh, whether it's for awards or whatever it is. So there's always going to be good guys left out when, especially since they got to this format, uh, you know, it's, there's a select number of guys you could take from each division now. So there are going to be people that are left off and look, Mika Zabinajad has having a great season. Uh, doesn't have the points that he normally would, but his all-around game has been solid, and he's fighting to get in. So there's a lot of good names uh, out there that, uh, you know, looking to uh, trying to break in, trying to get into the All-Star game for either the first time or even that fifth time, but it just shows you how tough it is and how many good players there are in the NHL these days. Yeah, that's a fact. And, you know, a lot of people I, I heard today, because obviously, I, for those that don't know, I did the 12 and a half hour, 13 hour drive, whatever it is, from Scottsdale to Denver today. Just got in here literally about 45 minutes before the show. Um, and when I was driving, I was listening to NHL Network, and there's a lot of people that are talking about a lot of different things. One of the things is, uh, you know, they're saying that the All Star game is designed to be an entertainment. 
spot, right? It's supposed to highlight the best players uh, in the league. Uh, it's supposed to be a thing for the um, for the sponsors and the partners and things like that. So uh, maybe maybe that's what it is. Well, it's definitely uh, that. Uh, but if you look at some of the names that aren't on the All-Star team, I mean, just look at the Atlantic Division. You have Tavares and Stamkos, just to name two of that division. Then you go to the Metropolitan, name two. You could have Zabinijad and Kunetsov. Uh, then you have Phil Kessel, Seth Jones, Kadri. You have so many from the Central Division as well. So you have, like you were saying, good players, but you still have good players that are in the uh, All-Star game. I mean, there's there's a ton of them. I mean, you have Jack Hughes, you have Kreider, you have Fox from uh, Metropolitan. You have uh, Bergeron, Dylan Larkin, Austin Matthews, uh, Suzuki, Hedman. You have a lot of good talent. Kyle Connor, Kaprizov, uh, Keller, McKinnon, Kale McCarr from the Central, Kempe, McDavid, Timo Meyer, who scored five goals today uh, in a game against the Kings. You, ha- you have all these big names. So, unfortunately, there are going to be people left out. So, uh, but there's a lot of good, t- good names to watch though. Okay. So the first weekend, uh, puts it at February 4th and 5th, right. uh, will uh, of course, Vegas, Vegas is always going to put on a show, so that'll be good. But, um, you know, when you look at it, uh, as kind of a highlight of what NHL hockey is, is really all about is the NHL doing the best they can right now, or could they have done better in your mind? Uh, you know, you could always say that a league or a team could do better, uh, but they're, they're fighting through it. They're trying to keep the season on schedule. We'll see what happens with the makeup games and the quality of play and if there's if you see uh, more injuries happening. Because uh, right now it's COVID-related. Most of the stuff is COVID-related. You have your injuries going to happen. But right now the, most of the peop- uh, guys that are missing games are COVID-related. We'll see as it, as the season goes goes along. Does it get worse? Does it get better? Uh, I I honestly think that they're doing the best they can right now. I like the fact that they didn't go to the uh, Olympics and they're going to use the break to make up games. So this way they could keep the schedule as much intact as possible. Uh, so look, I'd, I'd rather be in the NHL state right now than the MLB state right now with uh, a lockout happening in MLB. So uh, <laughs> NHL's doing everything they can. And I just think that it, they're plowing forward and you're still getting good hockey. I mean, I saw a lot of good hockey uh, over the last few couple weeks in person. Yeah, I think that that's all you really can do. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the one good thing is there are a number of people getting vaccinated. So uh, the COVID, if, you, if you're getting it now for the most part and you've been vaccinated, you're, you're getting it uh, and you can still transmit it. But uh, you're not getting a sick. You're not having to be hospitalized like initially happened or, you know, run up against the possibility of uh, severe damage or death even. So right. I well, guess that's I a positive, that. right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Look, my mom was just diagnosed with it. My brother and sister-in-law in Florida uh, both have it. Uh, and, you know, it's wiped my brother out more than it's wiped my mom out. Uh, and they're all triple vaccinated. So uh, it's just depends on the person but it's good to, it's good to see that it's not like you said uh sending them to the hospital and putting them on ventilators and they're able to uh go about their life for the most part with a little bit of more of an inconvenience than normal yeah and i think you know they're getting tested an awful lot so uh you know people are on the on top of it in the nhl and even in the ncaa they're they're going with the flow if you have to and you're just trying to do the best that you can uh, it's frustrating that uh, the canadian uh, teams are not allowed to have fans because I think that would be a, a big boost for them. And I know they're probably holding off and coming up with the schedule for February when they were going to be on break to see how many of those, uh, or, or if it's possible, those cities will allow um, fans. So uh, that's another thing to look forward to. But MLK Day today meant no school, a lot of people off of work, and uh, matinee hockey. Anything that you saw that you liked today? Uh, well, uh, I gave you a, a sneak preview of it with with the mention of, of Timo Meyer. I knew that uh, was coming. I knew scored that was five coming. goals against the Kings, and and you know what? Not only does he score five goals against the Kings, but it's a hot Kings team. Uh, you know, if you want to look at the standings of the Kings, there's only one team that's ahead of them, and that's the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so LA has flipped the script 
on early, and Anaheim has flipped the script uh, in the reverse, whereas Anaheim's only two six and two in their last ten, where the Kings are seven and three, and now they're tied for second place. And right there with them, Calgary, no, Edmonton, no, San Jose, another team that's <laughs> on, a, on a roll, six three and one. The California teams taking up three of the four spots in the Pacific Division. Yeah, who would have thunk it? The top, the, the top four spots: Vegas, L.A. Kings, Anaheim, San Jose. Uh, Calgary's dropped off a little, a lot. Uh, Edmonton's dropped off probably the most. Vancouver making a push to climb, and Seattle just kind of doing what uh, you would expect from an expansion team, right? Uh pretty much. And and look, this is. We, we've talked about this a lot between uh, the shows, Seattle and Vegas's expansion drafts and the difference in philosophies that they've had. And, you know, the early returns are that maybe Vegas did it a little bit better than Seattle did. And being Mr. Nice Guy that uh, they were, you know, is, is not working out for them right now. We'll see what happens down the road. But, I mean, they're not much better than if they are uh, in Arizona. They have 24 points. No, they're in Arizona has 22, and, and we, we talk about the plight of Arizona trying to get to double-digit wins. Seattle only has 10. So, uh, you know, it'll be a, bit, a nice battle for the last spot in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to call that a battle, the, the Shane Wright sweepstakes. But once again, everybody's talking about that Shane Wright sweepstakes. But just because you finish last, it gives you a better chance, but it doesn't give you the chance. So, um, you, but it's you know, still they're still that's that's who that everybody say they're vying for right now is that whoever could get that first pick, uh, that's who they'll take. Yeah, well, he's he's a stud. The next two uh, guys that come out are going to be studs in him and Connor Bedard the following year. So, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, that's the seat so, of the tank, I guess. Is the is the Connor yeah. Bedard year, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, he's a player. He is a player. Um, so that's the the All Star game coming up uh, in uh, just under a month now in in Vegas, and uh, Vegas leading the way. The other big news out of Vegas is Jack Eichel's been on the ice with the team, yes, uh, for about a yes. week now. Um, yes. Bill Foley, who uh, always keeps his mouth shut, is telling people that uh, Jack Eichel is going to be available in a couple of weeks. So uh, is uh, is that the owner's wish or the owner's um, knowledge? Uh, probably a little bit of both. You know, I mean, it's a it's a hope. It's you know, until until he starts really, because he's still, I believe, skating with the red jersey on. So I don't think that he's dealt with any type of contact yet. We'll see what happens with the contact. I hope all goes well. I I hope he comes back because the sooner that Jack Eichel comes back the sooner that Riley Smith gets moved to the Rangers and therefore the Rangers <laughs> can take that next step. <laughs> uh, that's what you'd like to think, but I have a feeling the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have a plan. And I think uh, if you had an injury that you thought you needed surgery on uh, in the offseason, that might come now uh, to get underneath that salary cap. Well, it depends on the, on the player. If they absolutely know he's not going to be able to help them the rest of the season – then yeah, do the surgery, get them on a long-term injury, and then they get the salary cap relief for Eichel, and they don't have to move anybody. But you know that that only goes so far. You know we'll see what happens and how they could continue to maneuver with the salary cap. You know, but they by the time that uh, the trade deadline comes, they're going to need to shed some salary. Yeah, it's a matter of who and how many. Um, yeah. So also when you're looking at, uh, at what's going on in the Pacific Division, uh, Vegas at top with 48 points. As you said, uh, Los Angeles and Anaheim now tied with 45. Um, San Jose with 44. Um, I guess since we're nearing the halfway point and even Anaheim has played half their games now, it's not a mirage anymore, is it, Rod? Uh, no, it's, it's, it, you're starting to get some telltales. But again, You've got a lot of young players that may hit the wall. We'll see if the uh, the All Star break and then uh, you know how they come out of the All Star break. You know, there's still a lot of hockey to be played, and the and the toughest hockey is the end of the season. So uh, it's good, it's good uh, barometer, good measuring stick right now. But you got Calgary that's only played 34 games, Edmonton playing only 35 games, and so they've got a lot of games to make up. You know, four or five games in hand 
could be a swing of, you know, six, eight, ten points, depending on, you know, how everything goes. So anything that the West is, is far from over, the East is far from over. I mean, everything is up in the air, and, and it's just showing you the parity around the NHL these days. Well, let me ask you this, because it's kind of a, a double-edged sword for games in hand, especially this year. Normally, you would say games in, hands are, in hand is good. But this year, a lot of people are saying the same thing that I'm thinking. And that's a fact that now you're going to have to start condensing a lot of games into a short period of time. When you start doing that, are those games in hand really beneficial or are they going to wear you out? You know, if you start having a lot of back-to-back games, it could be detrimental. It's a good point uh, that you bring up. Uh, you know, it's going to – every team's going to be dealing with it. It's not going to – there's going to be a couple teams probably dealing with it a little bit more just like anything else. But it'll be very interesting to see – when they come out with, I mean, they've already come out with the schedule during the break. So it'll be interesting to see how many teams have the back-to-backs uh, because they just missed too many. Will Calgary have more back-to-backs because they've missed more games than Anaheim? You know, so uh, it'll be interesting if those games in hand will actually be beneficial because you're like you, like you said, usually that's a good thing. You know, now it's like, oh, I've played these games. I've got my wins. Now let everybody else catch me. Exactly. Well, now you're looking at uh, and just two teams that I plucked out. Uh, the Islanders only played 30 games so far. Now, now they're going to have a real crunch because uh, behind the Rangers, they're nine games in hand on the Rangers. Right. Uh, that's going to be a lot of extra hockey in a condensed period of time, if you ask me. The same thing with Ottawa. They're at 31 games played. Uh, at Tampa, for example, has played 40. Uh, so they're nine games behind. Mm-hmm. When you look at that, uh, I just think that might be more detrimental um, than not. Um, that's a topic for another day. I, I want to ask you about Edmonton, though, because what in the heck has happened to Edmonton? Um, I know where you're going to go, so I'll beat you to the punch. You're going to go to goaltending, which is which is a fact. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me let me check the the rosters. The, I can I can see your arm is up. I can see your arm is up. Go ahead. Tell us where the problem lies. <laughs> oh well, no, I want to see if Edmonton's goaltenders goaltenders were in the All Star game. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> Or, or were you talking about another all-star game? Uh, anyway. <laughs> and so anyway, is it all really the goaltending that's that's hurting this team? Or is it morale because of the goaltending? Or have they just gone into a funk? I think it's a, honestly a combination of all. It's hard to know pretty much that every game you've got to win 5-4, 6-5, 7-6 in order to compete. You know they 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 don't have defensive defensemen. Their defensemen are more offensive. So that team is like the '80s Oilers that they just want to run and gun, and it makes it a tough putt when you don't have a goaltender that could stand on their head and steal games. If you're gonna have an offense like that, and they're not deep, the the depth. Look, who is the leading team right now for Evander Kane? Edmonton. Why? Because he's a good player, and he they need depth. They need more scoring than just McDavid and Drysidle. You know, look, the All-Stars from Edmonton, Drysidle, McDavid. Anybody else make it from Edmonton? No. So it's just they're a two-man team, and, and it's got to be tough to play for Edmonton because it's all about McDavid and Drysidle. No one else seems to get mentioned. Maybe Darnell's nose a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And and I think I think you hit it on the head right away when you said they, they got to get better on defense because right now they are too much run and gun and that's turning into um, victories that they can't, they can't get. I mean, you're giving up three, four, five goals a night. Uh, yeah. You got Connor uh, McDavid, you got Leon Dreisaitl, but uh, you can't continually outscore teams because they're going to figure out a way to shut you down. And, and come playoff time, goals are at a premium. So high scoring teams a very rarely high-scoring teams in the playoffs because teams shut them down. They play defense. They make it tough to go the the, the distance between the offensive blue line and the goal line. So it it just makes it makes sense to if you're solid from the deep, from the goalie out going into the playoffs. Those are the teams that usually do better. Okay, so we went down Vegas, we went down LA, we went down Anaheim, San Jose. We know they're the top four. Calgary's clawing to get back in there. Edmonton, we just talked about. Vancouver, Bruce Boudreaux comes in. 
What did he do to flip a switch and, and make them a much better hockey team? You know, sometimes just a change in voice and how someone presents something. Look, how many times is, has you told your kids something or, or your grandkids something and they hear it from someone else, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, it's just I think it's just a different, slightly different message. I think he's more of a low-key guy. He's not gonna. He's not a rah-rah guy. And you know, I think that maybe this is what they needed at the time. It's just a different voice, just a different direction. Uh, and they seem to have responded. You know, they're they're a lot more competitive. And you know, we'll see what happens in the long run. He's a good coach. He he coached Capitals for a long time. Uh, so. You know, he's, he's got the locker room now. You know, let's see what happens when he has a full off season, a full uh, roster shape, shaping, because this who knows if this is his type of roster right now. You know, we got we to gotta see. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I really think JT Miller is going to be moved uh, at the trade deadline because uh, I think he could bring back something that could help them next season. Uh, and that's what they have to start doing is looking for the future and see how he could shape the team more in his mold. Yeah, good point. Okay, so let's round it up with Seattle. Um, the restless getting native, the natives getting restless already in Seattle, or are they still just enamored by the fact that they've got a professional hockey team? Because I watched a bit of a game, and it looked like they might be getting a little irritated that they're not uh, winning more hockey games. Well, maybe the ones that are at the game, uh, but I I follow some stuff on the Kraken on Twitter and also on Facebook. And it doesn't seem like they're an angry fan base right now. It seems like they're still, I mean, for my first game, you know, all still, it's still that honeymoon phase of being able to see their first games and, and seeing the team and, and enjoying it. Uh, I mean, I have seen fans from, you know, from east to west uh, that are, become Kraken fans because they live in an area that doesn't have a hockey team. Uh, like I follow someone on Twitter in Atlanta, and uh, she's a, uh, Kraken fan and it's just the, the buzz is still there I don't think that they've uh, soured on on the Kraken at all you might you know anytime you got fans that are going to the game it's the product that they're watching if they don't feel the product is deserving of applause they're not going to applaud they're going to boo so I just think that uh, the fans that go to the game might be a little bit over zealous with the uh, with the boos but uh, the rest of the fan base that I see I still think they're enamored by having a team again yeah, I was, I was getting at that point, too. I think they still are, but I think there's some people now that are um, maybe a little bit more knowledgeable hockey fans that are going like, hey, we should be better than this. Or maybe those fans that watch Vegas go to the Stanley Cup final their first year going like, hey, uh, you know, it's halfway through the year now. Maybe we should be better than this. I don't know. Uh, just a point for discussion. Jumping over to the Central Division, um, the Avalanche finally starting to get healthy. Um, I heard today as I was listening to their game driving up here, um, 75 days since they've lost a game at the Bell Center or at uh, Ball Arena in uh, Denver. They won again today. That's 14 in a row. Uh, they're on top now, the Central, with 53 points. Um, Colorado That's coming into the road, their own? Right? 14 on the road. 14 in a row on the road they've won, or at home? No, at home, yeah, 14 yeah. in a row on home. 75 yeah. days since they lost at home. Yeah, they're, they're playing some hockey, plus 41. I mean, they're, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. Uh, they are trying to separate themselves, Nashville. It's kind of hard to separate yourselves. They go 8-1-1, Nashville 6-2-2, two and, two, and St. Louis is 7-3, and three, and that's the top three in the West in the uh, Central Division. Uh, it's really hard to separate yourself when everybody's playing the same hockey. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh i will say one thing though watching colorado in person that's uh part of the reason i want to see the coyotes i wanted to see the colorado avalanche in person because i haven't had a chance to see them in person yet and i thought yeah they're clicking on all cylinders but boy if they get a little puck luck the the announcer today was joking uh tongue-in-cheek when he said i think they've hit 97 goal pulls today um they, <laughs> That's what they were like, in, and they scored five times at Gila River, but you could see where they could have scored another three, four goals, and it felt that way from what I was listening to on the radio today. You were hearing the dings off the pipe. and um, So I think, I think that's a positive thing for Colorado. They're up to a plus 41 in differential. Oh, <laughs> I have yeah. to say that just kind of laughing because, well, Florida's plus 47, 
And uh, you look at how good your Rangers are, and they're plus 17. Carolina um, 39. Yeah, and Carolina 39. Um, so uh, Colorado definitely has a firepower. I thought uh, Darcy Camper looked really good getting his first shutout for, uh, for Colorado sure. the other night. I thought he looked really, really good in, in getting that. Um, he got hurt today, though. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a concussion, so Lord only knows uh, how long that could be. Yeah. Um, and then you look like Nashville's coming on, um, and, and St. Louis is playing well. By the way, they're uh, retiring uh, Pronger's number 44 tonight. Or oh, it's a kind of- did. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and Minnesota was the team that Colorado played today. They're in at 47 points. So um, Minnesota, I don't think, is as good as they think they are. You know, I think Minnesota is overachieving. I think that's the only one of the three. I think uh, the top three, uh, the difference between Colorado, Nashville, and St. Louis could be goaltending. And, you know, we keep talking about it, but Soros has been tremendous this year for, for Nashville. Yeah, he's been incredible. Um, so Colorado might be back on that same boat again. Um, do they have a goaltender? And Darcy Kemper probably better than uh, Grubauer, but if he can't stay healthy, that's the way it was with the Coyotes. He'd look really, really good, and you'd go like, oh, the Coyotes have their goaltender now forever. And then all of a sudden he's hurt and he's out. And uh, you lose him for, you know, 10 games. Um, now you're, you're, you could be in trouble, although Francois, Fran, Francoose, <laughs> I call, they call him Frankie here. They call him Francois here. Uh, there's a little bit of everything he's called in Colorado, but uh, Francois uh, was very good in relief today, including the uh, the uh, shootout. So, yeah, I always I always say it's different when you're not expecting to play and you have to come in. You don't have much time to think, as opposed to knowing you have a start coming up uh, and you, you're thinking about it all day long type of thing. So, look, I, hey, I'm a Ranger fan. I, if there's anybody that knows about Having a good go, a really good goaltender, probably one of the best in this game right now, and can't stay healthy. Shesterkin. I mean, I think he's seven, three and four or something like that on the season. Nine four, nine two one save percentage. I mean, he's he's been crazy. He has a one nine nine goals against, but he, he's been out for COVID protocol. He was out with a groin injury, so that makes me nervous because you know you get excited about a team like the Rangers because they they're fun to watch and they have good, really good goaltending. But if they can't, if he can't stay healthy. What good is it? Well, let me ask you this then, speaking of goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury with Chicago has yep. uh, started to turn things up. Uh, yes, Chicago, 36 points. They're um, you know they're 11 behind Minnesota for the number four spot, but a month ago, would we have thought that Chicago was even going to be close? No, but you get a goaltender that gets a little hot, gives the team a little confidence, you win a couple of 2-1 or 3-2 games – or maybe even a one nothing game thrown in there. And all of a sudden, you're back in the race, and, and you get a little bit more confidence. And, and then next thing you know it, you're, you're knocking teams out of the way. I mean, they got a lot of teams. They got to climb over Dallas, Winnipeg, just to get to Minnesota, and then climb over Minnesota. So uh, it's still a long way off. But, you know, they still have, uh, what, 44 games left in, in the season to, to turn it around. And we'll see what they do with the trade deadline, see if they're sellers or if they're buyers. Yeah, good point. Um, just looking into the East, uh, your Rangers on top, a two-point lead over Carolina. Carolina goaltending issues uh, went out and even signed a uh, University of Minnesota draft pick, uh, their draft pick, and uh, brought him right to the NHL in, in Jack LaFontaine. Um, Carolina okay, or what's the story with them? Uh, well, we'll see. You know, We'll see what goaltending uh, is available that they, they might be able to go out and get. Uh, you know, they're a tough team. They have four games in hand on both the Rangers and the Capitals, and they're uh, sitting two points behind the Rangers and one point ahead of the Capitals. So they're in, a, they're in a good spot right now. But again, we talked about it earlier when you mentioned it. Will the games in hand be beneficial? We'll see, if, especially if their goaltending is, is uh, suspect for any length of time. You know, that's what I love about Georgiev for the Rangers. I think he's a good enough backup that if he needs to spot, start for a week, he can. And then until uh, gets the circuit back. So goaltending is so important. We bring it up every show and we talk about it once the playoffs start. But it, it's so important these days, not only have a good starter, but you have a good goaltender in the backup and also in the minors. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tonight, another big matchup starting here shortly. Um, Pittsburgh at Vegas. 
the Battle of I'm the Black and Gold. I'm Who's looking for that. that I'm looking up. for that game. Are they, is Vegas going to wear their gold jersey with their gold helmets? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea what they're wearing tonight. But uh, Pittsburgh and Vegas uh, should be a really good one uh, in just a few minutes, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pittsburgh, 49 points. They're only five points out of first place right now in, in the Metropolitan. They're playing some good hockey. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, you know, and plus – Going on the road doesn't phase them. They're twelve five and three on the road, and they got Malkin back just in the nick of time. Yes, yes, and he could only help the team. It's like a trade acquisition. All right, and then the final uh, topic, I guess, uh, has to be the Islanders. That brand new building, that uh, ridiculously rough start they had playing their first thirteen games on the road. Um, they're in at eleven thirteen and six. They've only played thirty games. They have 28 points. Everybody says they're way too talented to be at the bottom of the Metropolitan. I know you're not a fan, but uh, can they climb? Will they climb? Well, they're going to be. They may be the poster child children for uh, you know back to backs uh, if they have that many. Oh, games. they will be. They will be. <laughs> There's but, no choice in that one. You know, it's it's. Can they stay healthy long enough to make a run? That's the question right now. They they seem to have decent goaltending. Uh, that will, that they could backstop a winning streak, but you know, will will it be a situation of too little, too late? Because they couldn't stay healthy long enough for any length of time. They've they seem to be getting a little bit more comfortable in their new building. But the one thing that, and you could ask Paul, Paul about this, they seem very inconsistent. One game they look good, one game they don't. They get shut out by a team that they that they need to beat, then they then they beat a team that that they're better than that they should beat. So it's just. Uh, I mean, they're six, three, and one in their last ten. They just don't seem to have enough traction to put together a four or five game winning streak. Maybe lose a game, and they have another four or five game winning streak right now. So, is that really a product? You think of that uh, crazy start, or um... I think it's a combination of the crazy start, COVID. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't think COVID had anything to do with the thirteen games. I think if they were playing home and away, they would still have the COVID issues. But I just think that. Uh, the island, it was, it's, you want to talk about puck luck for the avalanche. How about just any type of luck for the Islanders because they can't stay healthy. Uh, they had a bad start with the 13 game road trip and it took them a little bit to get into a new building. So we'll see, we'll see what happens in the second half, if they can improve that home record, but you're not going to go too far when you're only five, six and three at home. Yeah. And, and you know, that the East is so tough. I mean, they're 21 points behind Pittsburgh. Who's in fourth. You right. have to get 21 points just to catch Pittsburgh. Then you got to get over them if you want a spot. So well, they uh, do have seven games in hand, and if they and if you say you, they win all seven of those games without Pittsburgh having to play a game, then, then you know that's 14 points. That puts them up to 42. They're at least within striking range. They have to win all these games, and Pittsburgh has to play mediocre hockey. I get that, but you know, never say never. I mean, we always talk about St. Louis where they were. In January of what, 19, 2019? Am I remembering that right. correctly? Yeah, yeah, yep. So, you know. St. Louis was dead last at, yeah. uh, at, the, at New Year's. And so, I, I, win the I cup. So, the Islanders can't just, be far enough behind for my liking, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they do have talent. They do have talent, uh, but they're going to have to win a lot of games in their own division. That's the only way they're really going to climb is to, is to win the divisional games because those are like four point games. And it, when we look at the East, and I'll wrap up the, the NHL talk on this one, then we'll jump to AHL. Um, but when I look at the East, um, it looks to me a lot like the four teams that are one, two, three, four are going to finish in the top four, not necessarily in that order in the Metropolitan. In the Atlantic, it looks like one, two, three, four are going to finish one, two, three, four. In the Atlantic, not necessarily in that order, too. Um I, I just don't see how teams are going to be able to cut into this. I, I don't think Detroit, even though they're five back of Boston, it is a team that's going to be able to make that run. Uh, you know, I don't count anybody out uh, at all uh, because, you know, trade deadline acquisitions, there's there's so many things that could change. Injuries, uh, goaltending goes down. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few teams you could count out. Uh, you know, I like I like Detroit's youth. I like the way they've been playing. Uh, if they could get a little bit more consistency on the back end, 
I think they could be one to reckon with and, and maybe, you know, knock a Boston out. Uh, I mean, Boston's been, you know, they've been good lately, but will they be able to continue? You know, to me, they're one of the older teams, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, let's see how this, you know, the, the February schedule plays with a team like Boston. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting no matter what coming down the stretch. So the All-Star game coming up uh, the 4th and 5th All-Star weekend uh, in Vegas. And uh, and then things get going for real. And, I mean, I mean real. It's going to be um, several weeks where they're going to, teams are going to play four games a week. That's a lot of hockey at the NHL level, especially if you see these guys after one game <laughs> sometimes coming out of the, out of the, the dressing room. Um, they're beat up. So uh, it's going to be rough. And I wonder, Rob, how that's going to play for the playoffs. If you have to do this much work to get to the playoffs, um, how's it going to be in the, the first and second rounds of the playoffs? It's, it's going to be a battle, and it's going to be in a battle of attrition. And I think then it will be interesting to see will they have the taxi squads around uh, for the playoffs because you're gonna, I think they'll need them because it's, it's going to be a grind. It really is to have to end, uh, go through uh, February, make up you know, all those games and the shortened. It's going to be a condensed sprint to the finish. I, I think it's it's going to be a, a more of a battle of attrition than it normally will be. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and uh, let's jump into the AHL. I had a chance to watch uh, an AHL game too in Tucson uh, last Saturday. Um, last Saturday. Yeah, maybe it was less. I my days are all shot. I'm just all over the place. <laughs> anyway, I saw that the Roadrunners host the Eagles, and uh, got some comments on that. And we'll talk about the uh, the breakdown of the AHL in about three minutes. At behind the mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. 
All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. Indeed, this is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy with you tonight from beautiful Denver, Colorado. My co-host from not-so-beautiful Southern California, Rob Rothfarb, joining me tonight. Um, Rob, we talked to NHL. Now it's time to give the AHL a little love. Uh, I had a chance, as I mentioned before the break, to uh, to see the Eagles travel to play the Roadrunners, and uh, I found out something early in the first period. Rob, those two teams don't like each other. <laughs> uh, really? That's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know, talk is that uh, Colorado, the Eagles, will move out of the Pacific Division next year, um, but. Um, Boy, that that was a rivalry that I'd hate to see go away because those two teams battled at the time. They were number five and number six. Right now, as we stand, the Eagles have jumped to four and the Roadrunners have fallen to seven. But, um, you know, I tell people this all the time. If you want to get exposed to hockey, go watch AHL hockey first because it's fantastic. I mean, you're right up close to the players and they're so close to NHL caliber. Oh, they're they're big, they're strong, they're fast. Uh, they're just one step away from being NHL players, and and the in this uh, game is fast. It's a f- lot of fun. Not a bad seat in these in the houses usually because they're what five seven thousand seat arenas. So great view viewpoints, uh, and you can really learn the game. And if you're an up and coming fan um, wanting to get more into the game, it's a great way to do, and also not a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. You can take a family there and really, really enjoy yourself. But the quality of hockey is so good. So we look at the Pacific Division because that's our focus uh, in the AHL currently. Um, Stockton Heat, 47 points, a winning percentage of 758. Goodness gracious, what's going on in Stockton? They've been they've been consistent. That's one thing I could say about them. Uh, they're 6-4 in their last 10. But they've been at the top of the Pacific Division for the most part, since day one. I think Ontario might have tied them for a short stay, but they've been playing good, consistent hockey. And one of the ones that have been able to get through the season mostly unscathed with COVID, uh, playing 31 games. So uh, they, they're going to be the ones that are uh, looking out at everybody trying to make up games moving forward. But they've been playing good, some good hockey, and I don't think there's been a lot of shuffle between the uh, Stockton Heat and the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and I think that's I think you hit it right in the head on that one because the consistency of keeping your lineup together um, really makes a difference. Um, the Ontario Reign of the winning percentage is seven oh seven in second place. The Henderson Silver Knights starting to make their climb with a six oh three winning percentage. So the Reign and the Knights. Your thoughts? Uh, they're they're going to be battling all season and and. I think that just like the Kings and the Golden Knights, I think that that's going to develop into a nice little rivalry uh, for the rest of the season. The Silver Knights have played 29 games to reign 28. Uh, there's a five-point separation. Uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have a series coming up against each other. Uh, or they just oh, they just did. They just played a home-and-home home on Friday just the 14th did, yep. and January the 15th. Uh, both won, uh, by the way, uh, by the home team. Yeah, that's uh, not to be unexpected, I guess. You'd expect both teams to do that. Um, So look at games played there. We talk about COVID. There's not a lot of separation, Rob. Uh, I think, what, 26 is the fewest games played, and 31 is the most, or 32 is the most, with the Eagles of all teams to play (laughs) the most games after what they've been through uh, is crazy. But the Colorado Eagles played 32 games already. Yeah, and uh, San Jose and, and Stockton have played 31. Everybody else in the division is in the 20s. Uh, so, But the Gulls have 26 and Bakersfield 26. Uh, see, I look at games played in the points. You look at uh, Bakersfield, 26 games played, 30 points. So uh, we'll see what kind of schedule uh, put together for the AHL teams and if it's as drastic as the NHL with the back-to-backs and how many games they, a week they'll have to play to make them up. In the AHL, it might be a best a better situation to have these games to be made up, and you know have the games at hand. So we'll see. We'll see. Bakersfield is another team that's just plugging along right now, six one and two, uh, and one in their last ten, uh, playing better hockey and trying to climb up the ranks a little bit, uh, strictly in the middle of the pack. And we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, 
Edmonton hasn't really uh, had a lot of uh, issues as far as call-ups. They've, I think the goaltending is Bakersfield's biggest weakness right now because I think Edmonton has taken all their goalies. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. <laughs> uh, any surprise with uh, with Abbotsford? They're hanging right in there at 500 winning percentage, number six in the Pacific Division right now. But uh, any surprise with Abbotsford? Did you think they were going to be what they are? Uh, I kind of thought they'd be what they are. Because uh, remember, we didn't expect much from Vancouver to start the season. We didn't think they were going to be – you know, world beaters. I think that their my their AHL club is is uh, on par with their NHL club, and uh, just plugging along and trying to get through the season and, and plan for the next season. And this is the first year uh, for Abbotsford, and I think, like we've talked about for Seattle, I think that there's still a lot of excitement in the market and uh, looking for great things ahead. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um... Anybody that jumps out at you uh, in the Pacific Division, as you look at it and you go like, wow, I didn't really know that they were going to be like that. The goals. The goals would be yeah, the team. Me, me too. That, that's the one that I'm surprised the most at. Do you think it's mostly because some of their best players are up with the, uh, the Ducks? Or, uh, or what do you think the problem is in San Diego? Uh, you know, everybody's up with the big team pretty much. I think they even took the goaltending. So I just think that the, the roster purge for the goals, uh, this year hurt them more than I think they kind of anticipated. Uh, and I didn't think maybe they didn't expect the, uh, players that went up to have the success that they did and stay up and not come back down. Uh, but that's the one team that you're just waiting for them to, to put a streak together uh, I'm not saying that they're on par with like the Islanders, but the same thing with the Islanders we talked about. There's that's the team to me that I'm waiting for a string, a string of six, seven games in a row that they win and get back in the in the race, and it just doesn't seem to be there. And I, I want to take a quick look at the overall uh, individual stats. And when you look in the AHL, man, Chicago has a top line. I'm assuming they're all on the same line. Uh, <laughs> they've got 47, 37, and 36 points uh, between the three of them. I'm talking about uh, Andrew uh, Portoleski, uh, Stefan uh, Nosen, and uh, C.J. Smith. We have a center, a right wing, and a left wing leading uh, the scoring race in the AHL. You have to go all the way down to number six to C.J. Tynan uh, with Ontario to find anybody that's uh, even close. And uh, TJ tied, actually, he's tied for fourth, so not bad uh, for TJ. Are you familiar with any of uh, those players, Rob? He's a, TJ's been on in, on the leaderboard and in, in, in the top player for the rain all season long. He start, he got out of the gate pretty quickly, and he's been their most consistent player all season long. Uh, so, But then you got Jacob Pel Peltier and also Matthew Phillips from Stockton, probably also on the top line for uh, Stockton uh, in the top ten. Uh, so you got some representation. Martin Furk is another one that has been consistent all year. Uh, I say that's my favorite name in hockey, Martin Furk. <laughs> FRK, folks, if you're not familiar with it, Martin FRK, Martin Furk. Yeah, and he was called up to the uh, to the Kings because he was playing so well. Uh, but they're so deep at center that TJ Tynan is is uh, doing well in the minors, but he can't get a sniff at the NHL because they're so deep. Uh, I mean, it's just it's incredible how deep they are at the center position, the Kings. That, that's a position of strength that I think eventually you'll see a trade uh, for maybe defense or a wing because they're so deep on, on the center. And they're, deep, they're also deep in the minors uh, at center too. So as an organization, the uh, center is their top, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, the two players from the team that I saw this past weekend, uh, Dylan Sakura, with the Colorado Eagles, I still struggle with that. Used to seeing him with the Knights, but uh, <laughs> what a great, what a great guy he is. And Matthias Maselli um, for the uh, Roadrunners, just a young kid that is really tearing it up. Um, and you got to go all the way down to uh, Pavel Dorofeyev uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights with 26 points. So um, 27 for Secure, 27 for Maselli, and um, Pavel Dorofeyev with 26. So the scoring seems to be in the East. Is that uh, what you would assume from what you see? Well, the East is – From I, I always thought Pacific was the run and gun with the, with the high scorers. But yeah, uh, 
You know, it's the the East has their share. Look, it, the Midwest with Chicago has their share uh, of it. Just again, when there's parity at the big club, there's going to be parity at the low at the next level club, which is the AHL. So I just think that you have a situation where there's so many good players that it's spilling into the AHL because there's just not room on the big club for them. Okay, so let's look at the goaltending side of things. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his number one. Chicago goaltender plays 14 games, has a uh, 2.06 goals against, 9.22 save. But then Dustin Wolf, and he might be the key to Stockton. 20 games played, he's uh, got a 207 uh, goals against and a 9.31 save percentage. That, my friend, is impressive in the AHL. Very impressive, and and you were asking why they're they're at the top of that division, and all season long is consistency, and he and Dustin Wolf has been providing consistent goaltending for him all season long. And then and you, don't the look too, you don't look too far out of anybody in the uh, Pacific Division, so it's not it's not a fluke. No, absolutely not. You don't have to look too far to find a Sun Devil at number four, Joey Decord. Um, yeah. Playing out east in uh, Carolina, and the thirty, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, fourteen games played, he has a two point one eight and a nine twenty five save percentage. Impressive for Joey, who I know has uh, locked up a lot of frequent flyer miles between there and uh, and the uh, parent club, um, the Seattle Kraken. He's been going back and forth uh, probably half a dozen times already this year. Well, he's providing solid goaltending. You know, when he played for ASU, he faced a lot of shots. He had a he had a high save percentage with a lower goals against, uh, which is a secret for, to success for goaltenders. High save percentage, low goals against. You'll you'll win a lot of games that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, a veteran in the AHL, Calvin Pickard, uh, playing pretty well for Grand Rapids, two point three one and a nine thirty save percentage. Uh, anytime you're over, what, 920, that's a pretty impressive save percentage. Uh, just want to jump down to Logan Thompson, who's uh, kind of been up and down as well. Uh, 21 games played, though, 2.62. He's the reigning, um, what's the title for the HL goaltender? Uh, best goaltender of the year, I guess, from last year. Um, so so Logan's had a sniff uh, with, the, with the big club. I really thought he might be the backup in Vegas this year. I didn't think they would go out and get uh, Bruce Brossois. Um, and I thought maybe Logan would make the move, but no, he's uh, still with the Silver Knights, 2.62 and a 9.28 save percentage. So not bad for him as well. Well, and, and a former Coyote uh, Rangers goaltender in the minors, Keith Kincaid, I only mentioned because he's a former Coyote. Uh, when you talk about 9.20 being the difference, he's at 9.13. So... Uh, not too far off, but uh, solid veteran goaltenders in tolling in the uh, minor leagues in the AHL. Yeah, and one of the guys that uh, was just called up uh, that played against the Coyotes today from Montreal, Caden Primu. Primu. Uh, Primu. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, can you tell I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning and I'm dragging just a tad? Uh, he had a chance Hold to play against for a few Coyotes more minutes. today. But yeah, yeah, I'm hanging in there. Um, so, anyway, that's kind of a quick peek at the AHL. Anything that surprises you in the AHL at this point? Uh, in the overall? I mean, if we're going to talk overall. Yeah, just, yeah, just overall. Uh, I mean, would you have thought that, that Utica would have fallen – uh, seven points behind the Chicago Wolves as far as the, for the best overall record. And now they're close to being third in the league uh, as far as points go after running away f- for the first like 25 games or so. Uh, so uh, just Chicago, how well Chicago has been playing. Uh, we're 51 points, 33 games played, 24-6-2 record. Uh, so just, you know, good hockey there. In Chicago, uh, you know, you're talking about the Blackhawks and, the, you know, the Wolves are playing uh, good hockey. Blackhawks are playing better hockey with Flurry. So just exciting times in the city of Chicago. Yeah, totally agree. Um, things are coming around after what they went through off the ice uh, to start the year, which yeah. uh, was, was ugly. And, and they're starting to pull it around on the ice. And that's uh, 
maybe uh, creating some healing. Uh, I want to ask you as well about the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds. Um, any news there at all? I see as I look on their website, they have their new team stores open somewhere. Uh, we know it's <laughs> not in the arena, but any news on that, Rob? Is anything circulating out your way? I have heard zero. They're getting zero press. And I just don't understand why their marketing and PR department would not be flooding. Like Being in L.A., they should be all over billboards in L.A. And they're not. They're not, on, they're not doing any type of radio ads. They're not doing any type of TV ads. They're not doing any type of marketing at all about their team. And it's just really sad that uh, there's supposed to be some sort of sense of excitement, and there's none. There's absolutely zero talk about it. And, you know, I just don't understand it. I don't understand that the, what their uh, strategy is because as a hockey fan, I – I'm reading. Oh, I'm constantly reading hockey stuff, and none of it's about the Firebirds. Yeah, and you know they they introduced their logo, which I think is really cool. They've got right. uh, some hats, it looks like, and some sweatshirts and t-shirts out there. But again, they're they're just kind of missing the boat on it. And uh, still on the AHL website, Rob, it still says that they're going to start the season in twenty two twenty three. I just don't know where they're playing. Uh. I wish I had an answer because there's nothing mentioned. I haven't heard anything about the arena, anything about where they're going to plan on playing, you know, when, when they're going to try to put together uh, their team, you know, what players are they, you know, until the season's over, we don't know what players are going to still be around, you know, or as part of draft day trades and stuff like that. So, you know, for, for an organization like Seattle, that so was so excited about their franchise in Seattle, that it's not trickling down to the Palm Springs end. No, it really isn't. And and like I said, um, they're almost as confusing as the Coyotes as far as where they're going to play. I mean, we're, we're January now. The season's going to start up again in October. Um, you gotta you got to wonder pretty soon when you're going to come up with a place to play. But at least the Coyotes, you hear something. There's talk about them trying to do something, getting something done. There's – radio silence on on the southern california end and you know if there's if there's no talk you know usually it's where there's smoke there's fire there, there's there's not even two two sticks being rubbed together right now <laughs> yeah i totally agree with that i i don't get it i don't know where they're gonna end up or how they're gonna possibly start next year unless they've got like you said we talked about maybe they could go to anaheim uh, and maybe play over there or do something, but they, they're certainly not going to be playing hockey in Coachella Valley. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Oh. Uh, but one thing I don't think we mentioned today, with it being Martin Luther King Day, uh, is you oh, know you're back. I lost you for a minute there. Oh, I'm sorry. I said since I said with it being Martin Luther King Day today, you know we haven't mentioned uh, some of the Willie O'Ree's top players. You know, breaking ground. Uh, for the African-American community. Uh, one thing I learned uh, in doing some research about Willie O'Ree, he was one of 13 children. So his trying to make it to the NHL pales in comparison to just trying to get food from his siblings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I guess I did know that. And uh, what what a groundbreaker he was. Great man that uh, was able to uh, do a lot of things, um, and and today's the day to celebrate it, you know. So I'm happy they were able to do that. I'm happy they were able to play some games, and um, you know, it's always great to have matinee hockey, no matter what. I'm sure yeah. the uh, the Arizona Coyotes after they won today was saying like, yeah, it's great, but uh, they played three games in 70 hours or something like right. that. That's right. hard There's... as a professional. <laughs> it is. It is hard. Uh, but you know, it's, it's nice to see some daytime hockey and it's nice to see, uh, guys like Willie O'Ree and Grant Fuhrer and, you know, the likes of those, Roma Ginla, uh, you know, being recognized, uh, for the perseverance and, and groundbreaking that they did for other players to come through and, and not have the hard time that they did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I stayed awake through the whole show. I promise I'll be better next week. And <laughs> we'll work on getting a guest now that I'm getting settled in here. Uh, still haven't got a place yet. So uh, I'm a, uh, 
a Drury Hotel person, but man, oh man, can I shout out the Drury Hotels? <laughs> if you're ever looking for a place to stay, I'm telling you, these places are wonderful. Uh, the management here at the one I'm staying at in Centennial, Colorado, just south of uh, Denver, just a hop, skip, and a jump, and not far from uh, where my future home will be in Castle Pines. But, um, man, they set me up uh, with a two-room suite for the next, I don't know, <laughs> nine weeks, something like that. So uh, it, it's beautiful, and I can't thank them enough. And uh, we're going to bring them on as corporate partners here very, very soon, and uh, that'll be awesome. So, okay, I got nothing else. Well, I got nothing else other than exciting hockey to be still to be played for the rest of the season and uh, many more Pacific Division conversations to be had for the rest of the season. Absolutely, and we'll look forward to having a real guest with us next week. Uh, I promise uh, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's just one of those things that are really hard to get uh, at the uh, NHL and AHL level because of their travel schedule and their practice schedule. They're, it's not like the college guys where we can just, you know, we know what they do every week. It's usually the weekend, and it's usually a Tuesday media day or whatever. So um, we will get some guests, and we'll say goodnight. Uh, with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, De Niro. And Rob and I will be back again uh, next week to uh, talk hockey with you. Peace.